In Houston, I'm John Herter. Tuesday, the eighth day of March. Great as always to have you along, everybody. In a nutshell, From the Experts is a compressed virtual networking accelerator, helping people across industries connect very quickly in a brief, moderated, interactive show format, like a TED Talk with interactive discussion, 15-minute talk, 25-minute discussion. So what's in it for you? Well, the FTE promise, if all goes well, your curiosity is sparked, new ideas accelerate action, and you may have helped yourself or somebody else solve a problem, make a connection, reach the opportunity faster. Because we know making authentic connections and expanding your networks has never been more important to your business. Folks, help me welcome guest expert, Diane Finkhausen, founder and CEO of Shoshin Works. Diane is a pioneer, entrepreneur, and global authority on platform-enabled ecosystems. She is known for her strategic work designing and deploying enterprise-scale ecosystems. Before Shoshin Works, Diane was GE's Global Director of Open Innovation and Advanced Manufacturing and founder of GE Genius Link and GE Fuse. When you connect, be sure and ask her about Platform Strategy Institute in Boston. Diane, your work seems to be right smack dab in the middle of this ongoing workforce evolution called the Great Resignation. You know, in our talks, you've used words like open innovation, digital economy, operating models, workforce ecosystems, platform economy, to kind of describe how you're working with management teams to help them adapt at speed to be competitive into the future. Super grateful you can be with us today, gain your perspective and why this actually matters to our businesses today. Diane? Fantastic, thanks, John. And um, thank you so much for, uh, for the opportunity to join the, the conversation today. I'm, I'm really excited about um, uh, the the team and the the discussion today, but um, but yeah, John, to your point, it's a, it's a really exciting time to to be in business. I think um, I think we all are seeing it right. We're seeing the digital renaissance really unfold um, right in front of our eyes and and beneath our feet. Frankly, uh, as as we all know, the um, the pace of change in, in markets is extraordinary. It's unprecedented in our lifetimes. And, uh, and so there's a lot contributing to that. Um, and uh, a lot of uh, very complex forces behind that momentum. But, um, but similarly, a lot that we can do in order to harness that momentum and, and really turn it into um, I believe a force for good for um, our businesses and, and for our teams. So, um, so with that said, um, as kind of the, uh, the aspirational goal for the conversation today, I, I thought maybe we'd, we'd take a, a couple of steps back and, and I can share a little bit about my journey that, um, that might help explain a little bit about I, why I think we're all here. And, uh, and I'm sure as I start to Kind of share my story uh, you're probably going to see a lot of facets of your own stories or i hope that you'll see a lot of facets of your own stories in uh, in the journey that i've been on um and uh goodness as i i see a lot of familiar faces dialing in um my journey is shared by a lot of the folks that are on the call here today um a lot of you have participated in in my journey and my story. So, um, so just uh, chime in here as we open up the mics. Um, I'd love to have your perspectives too, as we, um, 
as we open up the conversation. But um, if we um, if we just kind of dial back a few years to about 2013, um, seems like a lifetime ago, really. But uh, it it was a time where um, where I was still at GE. I just joined the corporate team at GE. I had spent about 24 years at GE. Um, in 2013, I was asked to jump up to the corporate team because we were firing up our digital transformation. And, uh, and for us at GE, that meant that we were rolling out the Internet of Things, IoT. And for us, that was a pretty, pretty healthy undertaking. It was a, a pretty massive lift. We were shifting from an industrial company, um, albeit a very mature, iconic, um, trusted um, uh, organization in the industrial equipment space. We were um, beginning to undertake the, um, the, the effort to, to really censor up all of our equipment to um, embed um, basically a voice in the industrial equipment uh, so that we could start to harness and harvest big data, right? This concept of big data in industrial applications. And, uh, and so we recognized that that was as much a change management journey for us as it was a, a product journey. So we, we established a team at corporate to begin to work with all of the business unit teams, aviation, healthcare, capital, et cetera, to, to evaluate what um, IoT would bring to the value that we could offer to the, the markets and the customers that we served. Uh, again, we were sitting down with the teams talking as much about market positioning strategy as, as product roadmaps. And a couple of months into that journey, it, it became very clear that to match pace with customer and market expectations of our digital transformation journey, we, we quickly needed to um, scramble more skills diversity and um, more agility within our own operations. So we, um, we, had, um, we had been exploring with, um, with a few open tools. We, we had started to experiment with open innovation. We had started to experiment with open talent. And, uh, and we started to see the potential to unlock greater capacity, greater speed, um, greater pools of expertise, if we would um, be able to uh, determine a, a scalable, a compliant way to reach out to external experts in a much more efficient manner. So we, um, we decided to launch an operation at corporate. I, I pitched and launched a, uh, an operation at corporate to um, assemble a, an, op, uh, an operation to harness open talent, um, external talent marketplaces, open innovation, and also internal talent marketplaces or mobility. Um, in short, we were able to begin to experiment with these models really because of the onset of platform business models um, that would allow us to bring a lot of experts online in a way that was much more accessible. Uh, we could organize resources, capacity, solution pathways using platform-enabled ecosystems 
that that was much more agile than um, traditional kind of supply chain, linear supply chain models. So in short, we set up this, this operation at corporate. We ran it for about six and a half years. We deployed it across the entire organization. Um, the, the operation at its height reached out to uh, over 30 platform enable market marketplaces, which gave us reach to 21 million resources. And we were able to institutionalize governance models and operational models that could connect our teams and our operations and frankly, our clients with an expert or a solution in a matter of moments or days. So it really revolutionized the way we thought about the design of work um, our access to expertise and capacity, and our ability to, um, to redefine what was possible. In those six and a half years that we operated that model uh, at corporate, at GE, we had, um, as I mentioned, 36 partners, marketplace partners, 21 million collaborators in those networks, and we were able to drive about seven, very close to $7 billion of impact for our organization and our clients. So we, we were able to really um, pressure test the scalability, the compliance, and the impact of open models, open innovation, open talent, and internal talent marketplaces, which are really um, just putting the, uh, the resources of the world and of the organization on a platform access model. So, Fast forward to, uh, to where we are today. In 2019, GE started to, um, to restructure their operations, pushing the center of gravity back into the business units. And I took the opportunity to exit the company and start my own consulting business. And, uh, and so today, what, what um, we're focusing on is bringing those playbooks and those best practices to organizations that are undertaking their own digital transformation. So um, brilliant organizations, some of whom are, are joining us here today, um, who have a vision for a, a much more resilient, um, accelerated operational model that is, um, is um, ambivalent to the source of the talent or the solutions and chooses um, with, with great precision to source the best possible talent and the best po possible solutions regardless of where those, that talent and, and those uh, solutions may originate. So basically a, a source agnostic approach to, um, to executing organizational priorities, really that is, is enabled by um, the onset of platform enabled ecosystems. We hear, um, we hear these, these models referred to as marketplaces, talent marketplaces, innovation marketplaces. Um, the, the lexicon is pretty diverse, but the, the results are, are the same. Um, we, we're living in and through a digital renaissance period where talent is empowered, enlightened, and accessible. And organizations can and should be thinking about how to leverage platform enabled models in order to reach solutions and talent with, with precision and speed. It's so Diane. I'll stop there. Yeah, John. Yeah, just, just a real quick question on that. 
How do you know these platform model ecosystems differ from the standard operating models with employees and vendors? Can you just critique that just a little bit? Yeah, just just very simply, John. Great question, and it's it's um, a timeless question that that uh, has been uh, um, a lot of organizations have been grappling with for quite some time. Um, but um, very simply, the the models that we're talking about here, the ecosystem models. Are, um, are those that are accessing talent, capacity, and solutions by digital means. Um, and and the, the connections are enabled through marketplaces, platform business models. Contrast that with traditional sourcing models where organizations historically have had very linear, structured, um, approved supply chains where where there would be a fairly um, long and rigorous approach to approving new suppliers. And once those suppliers are on the list, then you know, they're in good standing and accessible to the employee base. But it's a very sequential and, and regimented approach to sourcing, uh, sourcing resources. Conversely, in, in a platform model, it's very dynamic and you have um, basically an API approach. You have protocols that allow you to access a multitude of, um, of entrepreneurs, inventors, potential suppliers, and they can reach others through your ecosystem as well. But it's more of a 360 degree view of um, the opportunity landscape, very dynamic and, um, and platform enabled. So hopefully that makes sense. Sure. So, so yeah, we're we're all undertaking the um, the digital transformation in our own way and at our own pace. Um, I, a lot of you have been on a similar journey, um, and uh, and I see we have a, a question. So I'll I'll kind of wrap this up as, in a second. We'll go to the question, but um, the the journey of digital transformation historically has focused rightly on the incredible unlock that is possible with the new technologies that are coming online. Um, the, the way that we um, approach markets, uh, create value, access um, uh, solution pathways has been incredibly disruptive. However, we, um, we need to be mindful of the, the talent journey um, that accompanies that, that digital transformation, that technology unlock. Um, we, we have um, the ability to, to reach collaborators, um, value creators in the, the arena of open talent, open innovation, um, open procurement, internal talent marketplaces, um, really because the, um, the platform economy has, has enabled a much, um, a much more dynamic uh, pathway to uh, qualifying resources, qualifying um, solutions, and um, and accessing those in a way that is is much more um, accelerated than we could in traditional talent supply chains or vendor supply chains historically. We have a, a quick question. Let's go to the question. And uh, um, yes, yeah. go ahead, Chris. 
thank you. Please call me Link. Um, this I, I'm a big fan of your work, uh, Diane, and big fan of ecosystems overall. But when I think about the uh, long-term impact of going the ecosystem direction and more companies sourcing uh, remote work and remote talent, I think about the dynamics of we're seeing this it, this flexibility is the biggest attraction to workers, that it provides them flexible work. Now we're moving from the eight to five business day to managing a company 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because the eight ecosystems never sleep. Do you find that overall, I mean, that, that is this the biggest pain point that companies are seeing when they're trying to manage their remote talent and they're only working maybe nine to five, but their remote talent needs to work at two o'clock in the morning their time. H how does this play out when it comes to managing that? Awesome question, uh, Link. And um, yeah, you're you're exactly right. The um, you, you see this this new kind of normalization of work, um, both on the talent side and on the organizational side. Both sides of that equation are are sorting out what that new normal is. And, uh, and the good news is that that can be um, personalized for the organization and, and for the talent. But it, the, the potential, to your point, Link, is, is for this always-on environment and potentially this always-on expectation. So a, a new kind of standard of boundary setting is, is absolutely required, right? Um, asynchronous communications are, um, are really the new normal. Um, but but um, I think we're seeing some pretty um, pretty interesting and and successful um, playbooks for the the new kind of digital always on experience. There are teams that are and, and we did this back at GE as well, where we would set up workflows that would um, effectively follow the sun, where you would have teams uh, stationed around the world that that um, could synchronize handoffs of work so that. You know, one team would work, you know, their their normal span and then hand the um, the outcomes off to the next team and off to the next team. And so that can be very successful. But but each team, each organization needs to be very thoughtful and intentional about the way they design the boundaries and the expectations and the balance within that that new ecosystem model. It's a great question. Yeah. Um Life Oshheim back in uh, Norway, he runs uh, an IT company over there. He says uh, he's curious if this platform fever is similar to what you're referring to in this ecosystem. Yeah, platform, great question. Platform fever has, um, has really unlocked these new, these new business models in this new economic growth. Um, as with, as with any new technology, um, any new business model, any innovation, you have the, the potential for utopian outcomes and you have the potential for dystopian outcomes. And, uh, and I know we've all seen you know, the, the range of possibilities there. And, um, and I know just as an example, Aiden was on a, a previous um, FTE show and, uh, and talking about you know, the, the potential pros and cons of, of some of what we're seeing in the digital era as well. But very specifically, the platform economy has, has um, necessitated the, um, the emergence of ecosystem models where we have more dynamic uh, access to a broader array of resources um, and solution pathways. The, the platform economy um, 
it, it, it is not compatible with a um, traditional kind of post-industrial revolution business model. Um, the traditional post-industrial revolution business model is very regimented, sequential, linear, and very frankly, um, over-encumbered with outdated assumptions for the design of work and, uh, and the possibilities um, for workforce design. We'll, I'm, I'm convinced that we will continue to see the, the remnants of that industrial um, revolution model, the, the linear um, business models, but more and more we're going to see um, platform-enabled ecosystems become the, the operational engine of the digital era. And thanks for those comments. Today's show is brought to you by our underwriters, Unique Ventures, the energy hybrid technology accelerator with a unique approach to venture capital, Alliance Benefit Group, building retirement plans for your business at work, Interpoint, protecting what you care about most, people, profits, brand, and the environment, and Ecosystems 2030, the world's most transformational platform exploring tech ecosystems of the next decade. Learn more about that at es2030.com. Special welcome to our two FTE annual members that could join the show today. Paul Torson, ship broker with Bravo Group USA and Tracy Williams, country manager of Songwon Industrial Group. Thanks guys. So let's go ahead and open the floor back up to some uh, more discussion. We have a general discussion question, Gus, if you go ahead and drop that in there. But folks, you know, feel free to uh, drop in your questions. Remember, you know, give your name as you share your comments. And if you're called on by me, uh, you can say pass and uh, I'll move right on along. So here you go. Here's the, the group discussion. Based on what Diane's talked about in this platform, you know, digital economy, where are you? Where's your business on this journey? Uh, from a standard model towards the digital operating model. What lessons learned do we have out there? What has worked? What is not working? And why? So anybody like to step forward and get us talking on their experience and share their experience in that area? If not, I'd like to see, uh, Chris, would you mind sharing your perspective or life or even Aiden, if one of you guys would like to step forward and share what's been going on in your part of this? Sorry, yeah. You go no, first. go for you. You first. You first. No problem. Um, <clears throat> I think that we we I work for Pominio and we offer a, a project staffing solution for for basically trying to help project centric organizations manage their staff and the, and the people and and obviously most of our customers die and they are extremely uh, linear and they are in this model that you are describing in the post uh, industrial model where they are very linear and 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 that is how they operate and and we've tried, been trying to work with them to sort of switch that to 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 basically to be very concrete trying to help them move from from um having a manager decide who goes on to the next project into which position to switch to a marketplace where people themselves can 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 choose which positions fits them and 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 to to a much larger degree manage their own time and i'm i keep trying to make the argument that when you hire people with phds and masters there you wouldn't it wouldn't be surprising if they are to some extent at least able to manage themselves 
and what I would really like to, to, to learn from you is your perspective on which dynamics needs to, to change, which dynamics do you need to address to make uh, uh, these linear organizations open their eyes and understand the potential of uh, a more market or, or a more platform-driven model? Yeah, great, great points. And, um, and we, um, and so many of the folks on the call here, and, and many of whom are, um, are going to be jumping into the conversation here, there are so many luminaries in this space. I'd love to get kind of their experiences in here as well. But we find, to your point, life, the, um, the mindset has to shift before the methodology can take root in, in a sustainable way. So you, you have to um, spend some time with the organizations to, to help them understand what's changing um, in the market to drive this shift and, uh, and why this shift is so critical to their organization. And, uh, and we have a lot of folks in the call today that, that are leading that journey for their organizations and the um, the vision in their efforts is is just extraordinary, and, and we'll hear from them hopefully in the conversation. But but um, it all the the journey all begins with the first step, which is that mindset shift, and that mindset shift has to um, has to begin with stories and and examples that that the business leaders can see their pain in. Right, a business leaders worldwide are struggling um, universally with the pace of change, the volatility of change, the scarcity of, of um, talent, the fragility of supply chains. All of these factors are, are generally universal in industry today. And, uh, and what, what we're feeling is this, um, this fracturing of, of old operational models um, under the basically the burden of the pace of the digital economy. Um, and underneath that, there are a lot of factors like the empowerment of, of talent. Talent has now an basically an abundance of options. Um, talent marketplaces are enabling um, resources, highly skilled resources to monetize their capacity, their expertise and their interest. Um, through a, a, a very efficient and increasingly um, growing market. So all of these forces are, are driving change in the markets today. And, and really um, that journey begins with the contextualization of those forces and how they're affecting the, the future state of the organization that those business leaders are, are charged to, um, to help succeed. And, uh, and the mindset begins the journey and then the, the methodologies and the technologies and the models are, are frankly, increasingly um, abundant, right? So there are always more technologies and business models and options that are unfolding that can be leveraged and experimented with by business leaders. So it's just a matter of um, beginning that that journey and uh, establishing trust and, and appetite for trial. So hopefully, hopefully that helps and, and kind of resonates with what you're seeing in the markets today. Uh, 
I know we've got a lot of folks with their with their hands up who have similar journeys and perspectives as well. Um, maybe we can uh, hear from some of them as well. Or I don't know if you have uh, stories to share or questions to share, but um, uh, John, do you want to? Um, sure. Uh, Marisol, why don't you go? Sure, thank you. <clears throat> thank you very much. Um, I was uh, building over the brilliant introduction by Diane. Uh, by the way, thank you for organizing this. I feel it's really, really interesting. I'm connecting from Spain. Um, and thinking about the question behind uh, how to open the eyes no, of organizations for the platform behavior, I was thinking that about the complexity that lies behind it. So I think it's not a matter only of opening eyes, no, but creating the capabilities to assimilate and interact in this complexity, because um, I think one of the characteristics, knowing that collaboration and interaction is as old as humanity. Nowadays, what we have as the unique element is the speed and complexity of this network of, of connections that we have. And so how can we articulate and prioritize internally in organizations how and who to collaborate with and the implications of this change uh, of paradigm? So I think this is not only a matter of business, also about culture and also about the tools and dynamics and the training to do so and selecting then your strategy on who to connect with, no, and how. And uh, I like that in the last Ecosystem 2030 meeting, the one that they chatted here, we talked about the ecosystem orchestration, which uh, for me made a, like a really, a kick, <laughs> no, in that moment is like, yeah, this is now an active role that needs to be really well established the neutral meeting points where we generate the trust. So these people who don't know how to articulate and how to connect can go there as a buffer to, to create these connections, no? But there's also, and, and I see this every day because now, by the way, I, pre I present myself as an ecosystem orchestrator, uh, uh, leveraging and building over that way of thinking that we discussed in that session, but then, what I see in my day-to-day -day life is how uh, people are um, behaving. So the questions are, what's the belonging sense that then these players are having towards my organization? How do, are we creating a culture of continuity? How are we creating value? How do I make sure that this value doesn't go away from our organization? And these are important elements to be addressed if we want this to work in the long term. Thank you. Excellent. Any uh, feedback on that, Diane, or from anybody else? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll jump in um, at first. And then I'd love, um, I'd love perspectives from the uh, the folks in the room because we've got some real luminaries and, no. um, and difference makers on the call here. But um, uh, such an important perspective, Marisol. Um, and, uh, and we've had many conversations about this, but in an ecosystem environment, a very, very different dynamic, as you've rightly noted. Um, an ecosystem is basically a, a center of gravity um, uh, aligned around um, shared values, shared purpose, shared vision, 
um, shared mission and, and that alignment um, needs to be earned every day, right? And it needs to be based on trust and connectivity and a, um, a, a very thoughtful articulation and compensation of value. And that's, it's a little bit nuanced, but it's, it's somewhat different from the very structured and efficiency-driven post-industrial revolution models, right? But, um, but the, the ecosystem right. is fundamentally centered around this alignment of, of trust and purpose and mission and complementary strengths versus conflicting strengths. And right. uh, organizations so, like, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I was going to bring in either Rick or Arthur, if you wanted to add into the conversation. So this Rick. is Rick. Yeah, this Rick, is Rick. Uh, Rick, uh, Rick. Go ahead. Arthur, go ahead first, because I come from a very different angle. So you might add more on this particular point. Go ahead. Sure. Yeah. So, so. Uh, Marisol made a really great point that, that I'd want to, to kind of reinforce, and that is, you know, from my perspective, and I, I work uh, as a director of strategy for a staffing company, so I'm coming at this from a, an angle of, you know, open talent definitely competes with us, uh, so, but our position is that we want to enable it, um, but Marisol made a really great point, and that is, you know, that it's about trust, and it's about how you, it's, it's not about how you engage the talent, it's about getting the right talent for the job, right, and I think a lot of times, particularly larger organizations, um, you know, around the legality and the fear of misclassification and the fear of co-employment and, and all of these fears, they sometimes focus a little too much on how they engage the talent and not getting the right folks for the job. So um, really love that point, Marisol, thank you. Uh, my, my question, um, Diane, for you would be, and maybe this is a little philosophical, but you know, what's the equilibrium between, you know, kind of evangelizing open talent and, and how far can open talent go before we need to focus on, on who's training these folks and who's getting these folks to the point where they can work as a knowledge worker, work as a subject matter expert? I love that question, Arthur. Thank you. Um, and uh, if, if you haven't yet, um, there in, I think the the list of references that, that we're suggesting. Um, there's a great article about the, um, the equilibrium that we're seeing. And, uh, and we're seeing this tremendous shift, as you know, Arthur, your, your front line on, on the shift um, that uh, we're seeing seismic shift in the, the talent landscape. And we're, we're moving in a direction of empowerment and mobility of talent and um, the ability of, of talent to create portfolio careers. Um, and um, that that necessitates a um, kind of a, a revisitation on the enterprise side. The enterprise um, is rightly at this moment beginning to reevaluate its relationship with talent and the ability to earn um, the opportunity to engage with the best possible talent for the missions that, that they have chosen to serve. Um, that said, with that context, historically, the enterprise has offered a, a fairly um, regimented um, package of benefits, including training, you know, upskilling um, benefits, et cetera. So if we see talent moving into a more independent status, talent necessarily has to take on some of those functions 
that historically have been made available in the enterprise setting. So things like um, benefits, things like training, upskilling, um, et cetera, um, agency costs um, become um, is somewhat the, the burden of the talent um, to the extent that talent chooses a more independent pathway. So, so that's a shift, it's an adjustment and, uh, and in, in, there is a, a clear argument to be made that upskilling becomes a, an incredibly attractive benefit for enterprise to, to earn the, um, uh, the attention and the engagement of the best possible talent. Um, we're also seeing the marketplaces, the open talent marketplaces make incredible um, upskilling and reskilling options available to you can um, talent engaging either in open talent marketplaces or open open innovation marketplaces have the ability to upskill and reskill and test those skills in a relatively safe environment. So we're, we're seeing that talent that is operating in the open space tends to continuously reinvest in their upskilling, their reskilling, so they're as market competitive as they possibly can be. Um, so the, the independent talent tends to be incredibly, um, incredibly hungry uh, relative to opportunities to um, develop skills, prove those skills, test those skills in, in a way that um, enhances their competitiveness in this very um, very open landscape. Sorry, Thank John? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I was thinking, I wanted to go back into another business to find out uh, how people are handling it. And I know we have Jeff Patton with uh, General Motors, I believe, uh, on the line. Jeff, would you mind if, uh, just sharing where you are in this process, what your take well, is? Let me, uh, let me see. Let me uh, f- uh, fix my mic and second. There you here. go. I hear you pretty well. You hear, you, you hear me okay, great. Hi, Diane. <laughs> great to see you. Yeah, yeah, John. I was with uh, GE, and so um, I, I, I can give some 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 specific examples. So um, I was in lighting division, uh, worked closely with with Diane's team. They enabled us to really sort of break the mold of what was happening um, in a very linear model there. So the the lighting division was sort of on the precipice as a LED was coming in. Our business model was getting turned upside down. Uh, I was leading the IoT initiative to sort of, we were putting through a, 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 creating a Bluetooth bulb in this bulbs to sort of change our world and so forth. Uh, we had a couple of things working in our favor. We had uh, Beth Comstock, who was the, the um, vice chair of the company. Uh, she was leading the revolution within GE. Our CEO of Line Division reported directly to Beth. Um, he was a former finance guy. Uh, he admittedly didn't get the details, the tech, but he knew we had to change. Um, and so in, in one case, in specific, particularly, we were looking, we'd launched our new technology. We wanted to get some, um, some uh, consumer information. Diane's team got us, um, one, got us to accelerate an engagement with corporate um, to work with Maker Faire to solicit some, um, some ideas from our consumer base to go into our roadmap. And in about um, four weeks, which is probably one tenth the time it would normally taken, we got contracts signed with Maker Fair. We got corporate to uh, sign up for some IP uh, initiatives with, with, with consumers to give us ideas. 
on top of that. We, we went through that uh, very quickly, but then afterwards, Diane's team also got us out to a creativity platform. Um, uh, we wanted to create a new, um, uh, a new uh, light fixture we'd never done. Diane's team got us out into one of these open platforms. We found a designer out of New Zealand called Richard Clarkson. Um, and he actually put this design together. It was called Soul. It was a sort of round shaped uh, 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 fixture that had, we put Alexa in the bottom and we had LEDs on the outside. But all that was breaking the mold with GE because that happened literally in, in like a week as opposed right. to months for GE. Um, and I'll also just sort of also speak to this. I, I work for Bose after GE. Bose was, was, was a hybrid model. Bose like to be vertically integrated in every, every space, but you may have heard recently Bose has, um, is working in the hearing aid area. They're trying to break to break the mold. Um, I work for a startup most recently, um, which is Silicon Valley scooter company. And there it was a di totally different world, right? We would basically bring people on constantly for the smallest nichiest little projects from designing sound, fi sound files and things like that. What we had with the startup was there was no um, process. So literally I could write a contract in about 15 minutes off of our sort of online template and have someone sign it and they are on board, right? Uh, as, as basically from a, on a PO basis to do work for us. And so we had a combination of the CEO's Rolodex and our CTO's Rolodex of people they knew. And I could just bring on talent as fast as possible. We even had people in um, Lithuania doing VFX design for us um, for one fifth the normal price. And it was cutting edge work, but it right. was just, it was fast. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Jeff. Um, do we have, uh, uh, Rekha, were you gonna share something? And Bill, uh, I'm interested in, in hearing a little bit how this impacts your business. So if you want to listen to the impact on the business, maybe Bill can go first because I'm going to be bringing a total change. I'm going to talk more about tooling and infrastructure, and I'd love to hear uh, back from everybody. So you want Bill to go first? Bill, are you, uh, are you willing, are you there and able to just share what your take is on what you're hearing and how that's impacting you? I mean, I'll do the best I can. We, as a, you know, we're, we're a privately held company here in Houston. The, uh, and we'll use lots of you know upworks and, and and lots of organizations to, to find uh, specialists for you know for specific needs. Um, what we tend to lean more on is process-driven software, workflow softwares. Uh, but we've been on the cutting edge of that because we sell it. Um, that it would probably uh, be an hour and a half to two hour long discussion to some of the problems that we've. We've overcome with it internally because we do eat our own our own dog food, uh, but more importantly, um, some of the some of the you know, business models that we've been able to to help. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I could add, but I, you know, those are some specific questions. I think Diane and some of the folks here are way ahead of the curve uh, than, than we are. Yeah, I'd love to, just before we move on, I'd love to um, touch upon that. I think that's a really great point, Bill. And um, and Jeff, thank you so much for sharing your your story. And I, working with you was just just the pinnacle of, of that GE experience. It was so fun um, and um, made made such a, a huge paradigm shift. Um, but Bill, to your point, the, the it, as we matured our thinking at GE, and, and this continues today, 
um, as we think about at a, at a macro level where work is going, right? Work, workers, workforce, um, we're, we're really, um, we're thinking about a complete inversion of the firm, right? Um, talent is empowered, talent is mobile. Um, the, it, basically the name of the game is speed and optionality and precision. And, and really um, the digital arena, um, because it's, it's platform enabled, right, ecosystem, we're thinking, you know, first and foremost, what are all those digital means by which we can execute organizational priorities, um, first and foremost? And that, that answer changes constantly because technologies evolve. Then we should be looking at, you know, where in the world are the best and the brightest um, resources to where, where human touch is required and, and human um, participation is required. We should be agnostic um, regarding the source of that talent find the best possible minds and, and resources and pull them into the fray. And that, that flexible layer, that elastic layer to our organization should be, should be quite expansive. And then last, but most importantly, what is that absolute strategic layer of fixed resources that become the, um, to Marisol's point um, and to Bill's point and, and Jeff's point that fixed layer of resources within our organization that are dedicated to our company um, should be our most strategic, but they should be orchestrators. They should be the visionaries, the market connectors, and the orchestrators, not necessarily the operators. And they don't have to necessarily um, run all the plays, but they they need to call all the plays. So. Got it. Diane, thank you. That'll have to be the last word. So folks, how was the talk and the discussion today? Please take the 30-second FTE survey dropped in the chat and let us know. What ideas or solutions are you working on that others would benefit from a test drive? Call Our 2022 call for expert is open. Hey, why don't you just send your referral or your topic to us via email? We'd love to have you on the show. And share FTE with others that you want to network with by forwarding our newsletters, inviting them to our events and following us on LinkedIn, just leave us a comment. We are growing and learning. Next up on the show, April 14th, guest expert Ashley Bodewin, CEO of Untapped Social, shares her work on the future of thought leadership. Well, don't you miss that. Register now on our website, fte.network. Folks, we're out of time. Thank you once again, Diane. Really enjoyed it. And to all of you for making this the smartest 45 minutes of your day. We'll see you guys next time.